0: Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 23, Man Up. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us from the Power of Change, worldwide headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Jesse Fury.
1: What's up, Reed? How are you doing today? Man my up, man up. You know, I when you sent me the title of today, I thought about my mother-in-law. One time she wanted me to do something around the house. And Jenny was like, well, I don't know if Jesse can do that right now. And she said, well, he better man up. (laughs) It was like fixing a table or something. I I guess I'm
0: doing that. Yeah. You you have to respond when someone says man up or cowboy up or dad up. It just kind of has a certain effect to the soul that you just want to, to some men. Now there might be some, uh, Males out there in the world that we tell them to man up and they just uh roll their eyes. Shrink. We might we might have to discuss roll these roll their eyes. Yeah. These bros, these Peter pans, these guyland guys here today perhaps. They better man up. <laughs> What's new in your life, man? Man, I feel uh, like I've seen you a lot in the last 24 or 30 48 hours.
1: Yeah, life is good. Life is good. We're uh uh we're loving life with our little our little seven-month-old, almost eight-month-old, she's crawling around saying "dada," and everybody's sleeping again. People, well. <laughs> <laughs> You know what they—they they don't tell you when you have kids. Do you, you, I mean, I assume your kids don't get in bed with you
0: anymore. <laughs> the, um, our middle daughter loves our bed. She's yeah. like we have a really comfortable bed, so she she will crawl she will crawl in there with us from time to time, but yeah. not in the middle of the night. Yeah, so we
1: don't have like a kid who just gets in bed with us. We just have three kids who occasionally get in bed with us, <laughs> which means almost every night I wake up with like a, a foot in my face. <laughs> But mostly sleeping, yeah.
0: I highly recommend the comedian Jim Gaffigan has a whole bit on that where he's like sleeping in someone else's pee. <laughs> <laughs> where every night one of my kids comes uh, to the life and pees the bed.
1: <laughs> it's happened, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The joys of uh, being a father and mother, parenting. Well, how are you, man? You just got back in town, right? yeah i've gotten back in town back in town and getting ready to leave Traveling town. the world yeah, going to New Jersey yeah, going yeah. to Germany yeah we were we did our first uh i don't uh, the history podcast we don't know if you've listened yet, Jesse, but it's amazing. I think nobody we did it from Germany I uh, was over there for a retreat with acts twenty nine church planting network with my lady, and then a little vacation, but yeah then I've been back and then I've been out to New Jersey uh with a church up there serving them over the weekend, and then we head to Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky. Uh, on uh, what's today? Wednesday tomorrow on Thursday. Okay, yeah, we'll we will head Eastern out. Eastern Kentucky. What's in Eastern Kentucky? You know, there's a gentleman. Uh, shout out uh, Spencer Harris, uh, who played baseball here years ago at Virginia Tech, okay. and he was involved in our ministry when we used to be here with athletes in action. Okay. Just a great guy, and uh, he ended up, uh, you know, marrying Gretchen, his lady. Uh, we were involved with their wedding as well as I went to medical school he's a doctor now in his hometown in kind of a small town Kentucky in fact he said hey uh, I know you came here for our wedding you remember what it was like I was like yeah he's like well I ain't changed much so yeah. so I'm guessing that uh northern New Jersey um eastern Kentucky are culturally um dissimilar yeah similar in some ways and dissimilar in others Uh, yeah how many degrees of dissimilarity or similarity i'm sure we will experience together so we're heading there doing a, a little apologetics thing for uh some young people on saturday and then then their church services on sunday okay
1: and it's you know, it's nice being friends with a famous person. I'm not famous.
0: Fact. <laughs> Shut up, man, I'm gonna start making fun of your clothes again. By the Dude. way, I'm wearing
1: a button up shirt. Yeah. Collar. Yeah, classy looking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did that I did that because I thought you might yeah. You give like a, a style update, yeah, an outfit update. Yeah, you're,
0: you're looking quite classy. Like you got involved with the Trunk Club or something. One of these uh, mm, online order your clothes, yeah. and some stylist puts them together. You're doing Thank very you. well today. Thank you. That's a that's a compliment. Yeah. But that's, I'm not famous. That's, not trying to be famous. Oh, come on. This is the gospel not, underground, not yeah, the famous well, ground. We're 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 outside of the mainstream, intentionally avoiding the uh, industrial complexes of the worlds we live in uh, to podcast from a shed.
1: That's right. We <laughs> you're right. We're in a shed. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, well, you know, I was, I was talking with my friend, uh, my friend Reese Bazant, who's been here on the podcast with me when you were out of town, Excellent I interview. Yeah. Uh, did, we did a podcast on Lament.
0: Leaning into Lament with Reese Bazant. That's right. Kind of a hip hop uh, song if you work on it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the two of us, Ree- Reese and I would make a great hip hop duo, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, Reese was telling me last week that he ran into he's run into multiple people in Australia, and Melbourne who have been listening to the podcast and happened to catch his episode, and, and it was kind of surprising that they it was surprising to me they were listening and it wasn't because Reese invited them they just said oh I was listening to the Gospel Underground and I heard you on it. So I, and I and I I
0: told him that was because I podcast with a famous person. Oh, gee. Well, I, that's one of those <laughs> miracles of providence that the yeah. three people in Australia listening to no the, the come underground on you know there's more than have three been, have, there is more than three we, being we can see there is more than three. Yeah. But, but yeah, we we treasure these things in our heart. Uh, the Gospel Underground yeah. is not a mainstream. No, thing. it's not. It is. Uh, I'm uh, making fun of you, man. Trying, like, yeah. tr- trying to do something uh, together, significant uh, to serve our world. That's right, and help uh, both Christian and non-Christian think about the gospel in the culture we live in, in the borderlands, and then stay out of all the powerful, popular, famous uh, Christian world. That's that's what we're doing here today. I think we are. We might. Hey, I think we got a little sound. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, Jesse. Jesse, take him to church. Take him to church.
1: Well, Reed, you don't know what I'm going to talk about. I have no idea. You ever been to church when the ser- when the sermons is bad? Um. Be careful here. You go to my church, <laughs> but I don't. I'm not the main preacher, so you don't have to be that careful.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've been to churches somewhere in the world where it's just been
1: bad. Yeah, it's been bad, right? So I don't want to talk about what makes a good good or a bad sermon. We can. I can do that. You know, I can do that somewhere offline. I, we can do that another time. Um but I wanted to talk about the sermon a little bit, right? So so almost, you know, a lot of people have been to church at some point whether they've been invited by someone else. Yes. I remember when I was a kid uh growing up in in Roman Catholic church and uh and I I actually have vivid memories of stretching out on the pew during the homily <laughs> and just get, getting 10 to 15 minutes of uh of rest in during that time. Um and, and And you know, I remember, depending on who the priest was, I knew this would be a sermon that it would engage me or wouldn't right uh, but but at least it was the mercy within the Catholic tradition of being short right and so so really, I want to talk about sermon length ah oh, very yeah, very yeah. so when you when you're yeah, yeah when you're visiting a church, you know you have an expectation that there's going to be some kind of speech there's going to be a sermon yeah, yeah uh yeah. and and uh and You know, I found that in the mainline traditions, Roman Catholicism, typically those are shorter, significantly shorter. Right. Uh, In my world, they can tend to become pretty long. So let me ask
0: you a question, Reed. How long is too long? How short is too short? There, there, there's a. I'm going to be a philosopher on you for a second uh, and make uh, several sense distinctions and qualifications. (laughs) First, you asked me what if if I've ever heard a bad sermon. And I wanted to make two qualifications there. Yeah. There is bad sermons that are faithful, right? And there are bad sermons that are unfaithful. That's right. And those are really bad. So yeah. if a guy's just bad and faithful, I, you know, I'd use it and overlook it because he's trying to speak from the Scripture faithfully. But um, and there's
1: also good sermons that are unfaithful that are therefore bad sermons. That's right. right. Very yeah. good. Very good. Yeah. You're you're you're. you're I'm a good I'm into this yeah, with you're, you. You're
0: jumping in. And so and then there's. um Let's say it this way: There are long sermons that are faithful and boring, um, and I think long and boring uh, has a tinge of badness that's added to say something faithful. Um, and then, and then sh- short short sermons doesn't necessarily make it make it good. So, right. But if you're going to bore someone to death, you'd rather do it for 20 minutes than 45 minutes, uh, in my yeah. opinion. So, in terms of length, um, I've been involved uh, with a Bible preaching uh, church planning network for almost 10 years. Um, been a Christian since 1992. So that's 26 years. I've heard a lot of sermons now. Um, I, I actually guest preach at lots of churches that's now. Right. You know, yeah. Three weeks in a row, right? That's now, where Jersey, you were. Yeah. yeah, Kentucky. I'll be at our church guest preaching on the weekend after that. So um, I'm usually told, hey, usually our sermon is you know, this amount of minutes. Right. And as the guest guy, I really try uh, hard. In fact, this, this past weekend at my friend's church in New Jersey, I told the production guys like, yeah, they told me 35 minutes. And he just laughed. He goes, well, that's ironic that they would tell you that (laughs) because apparently they, they go longer, they go longer. (laughs) But, but usually that's the ideal. So I think, now, um, now,
1: do you have like a timer on your iPad as you're preaching? I don't. You don't have a countdown? I don't. I don't. I've been at it a while. You have like an innate sense
0: of this is a 35-minute sermon. I know roughly that a yeah. page of my notes and the way I tell stories or give illustrations and the pace that I speak, I know that a page of my notes is five minutes. Okay. So if I have 7 pages, I'm 35. I've got 8 pages, it's uh it's 40. Um or if I have a kind of a really long story, I have to put a note in my margin, make sure I know that they that's longer than just a normal page of notes kind of thing. So that's But yeah, I think uh, guys that are going uh, over 45 minutes, I think is a problematic. I've come to my last uh 2 years in regular kind of pastoral preaching ministry, I was between 35 and 42ish. Okay. Um and I, I just kind of landed in that. Yeah. Um. I do think there is a tendency to say, well, the average attention span. You know, if you look at YouTube, uh, eyeball, you know, research that kind of thing, that people people can't pay attention for more than like a gnat flying on your head. So you ought to preach really short sermons. Yeah. Um, I think you have to take that into account when speaking, but it doesn't mean that your sermon has to be 15 minutes or nobody's paying attention. Sure. It does mean you have to be engaging to hold someone longer than a half hour. So if you were to ask me what's ideal, I'd say maybe 35 minutes.
1: Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So I think we're on the same page here. Oh, good. Yeah. So, So in our kind of our own church background, we... Um, we we probably followed the uh, the Mark Driscoll um, preach for an hour and nine minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and and I'm coming around to realize that that there are some people who can keep my attention for that long. Right, now, I'm not one of the people that can keep my attention for that long. Right, <laughs> like so, I've probably preached hundreds of sermons at this point, and and which means that I'm not terrible. We, I'm good. My, my wife just told you just, she she said job I did a good job. Just, just a I, I preached ago. a good sermon on Sunday, but it wasn't like a home run, right? Like I'm I'm you know. I'm a utility infielder. No, it's strong. You have you have a strong
0: teaching game. You've Got a good teaching. game. Yeah, but coach.
1: but but uh, my point is is that the, Matt Chandler can hold my attention for an hour. Right. Tim Keller could lecture on something for two hours for me, yeah. and I could just be dialed in. Chris Rock, Kevin Hart. They That's can, right. The, yeah. So now you're getting in. And in, 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 let's get there in a second. But so as we're thinking about about preaching, I have an opportunity with the Bonhoeffer House to train men and in pastoral ministry. And one of the things we talk through, in fact, we are in the middle of a, of a kind of working through some preaching, uh, training is, is trying to find that sweet spot. And which yeah. really depends on the person depends on the congregation. But I, I do think 30 to 40, 45 minutes is kind of the top end of, yeah. for most guys. Yeah. I came across something in Charles Spurgeon, who's the principal preachers
0: right? right you know so right. this is so a they, uh, so they say in the yeah, english-speaking world in
1: the english speaking world 19th century
0: gardner c taylor in the black church in in north america yeah probably All the right. best preacher in america that a lot of people don't know about yeah
1: so spurgeon wrote you know he's well he's got his lectures to my students which is a collection collection of le- lectures to his preaching and pastoral students he has a chapter entitled attention mm. uh, in the attention chapter he says uh in order to maintain attention avoid being too long and then he goes on to say that uh um you know, he, we should se- uh, seldom go beyond 40 minutes or maybe 45 minutes. A fellow, if a fellow cannot say all that he has to say in that time, when will he say it? <laughs> but somebody said he liked, quote, to do justice to his subject. And then he says, well... Uh, but ought he not also do justice to his people or at least have a little mercy upon them and not keep them too long? And he goes on to basically say, unless yeah. you're a genius, right. preach for 40 minutes. That's, right. That's and, uh, right. And so I've come around to that. Now, now I want to say this, and this may be more for you because you're a traveling guy, uh, not famous, but... <laughs> not famous, no. <laughs> but you serve a lot of people around the country and even beyond that and, and through your preaching and teaching, which means that you have an opportunity to craft... A handful of sermons that you could potentially travel with. Don't you think there's something unique about, um, maybe, so we can think about comedians, they can hold our attention for longer than two minutes or 20 minutes yeah, or 40 yeah. minutes. Even the the phenomenon with guys like Jordan Peterson.
0: Right, right. Who
1: are traveling around. Jordan
0: Peterson, the Canadian psychologist. That's right. He's become a very best-selling author um, Yeah. Yeah. Who I think we're going to talk about at some point here. He'll be somewhere. Yeah.
1: Peterson is traveling around he really has one message, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like one really well crafted message and it changes because he engages with the audience. And and from what I've heard him say, it may change from one stop to the next stop because of some challenges that he's engaged with. And, um, but, but it's, it's really fun. There's this phenomenon where people are sitting for two hours and even three hours and listening to these guys lecture. Right. Right. And that's, that's something that kind of flies in the face of that idea of the short attention yeah, span. In the, fact, yeah. I was listening to a podcast with him, and uh, he was explaining how uh, we really need to rethink this idea of the short attention span. And 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 one one evidence of that is that in the past it was thought we could only hold attention for a short sitcom or something like that, maybe at best a movie. Uh, but now we're finding that that. Uh, People watch seven Netflix that's episodes right. in right yeah. not, not only do they watch <laughs> seven. Sleeping, that's yeah. right. Not only do we watch seven Netflix episodes. Uh, these they're being made to be viewed that way. Yeah. So that yeah. Stranger Things is all released in one day, or that's right. You know, uh, whatever the new binge-worthy show is. And his point is that this is now rivaling great literature because of the amount of character development and things that are going on and how complex the story is. And people will dial in for 10 straight hours watching something like that. So I think that's interesting. I, I do think that that means that you still have to be engaging. Right. Uh, I tell my guys all the time, like, you need to think in your sermon about re-entry points because... There, it is really hard for someone to stay tuned for forty-five minutes, right. even thirty minutes. Yeah, and and in fact, I don't want everyone to when I'm preaching because I want to say something and have someone go, "Wow, I need to think about that." So be bit. thought-provoking. Yeah, right? yeah, but I want that. But they need to have re-entry points. They need to be brought back in through humor, story, illustration, or even just the way that you explain something. So yeah. Anyway, if you're going to church, uh, you know, if you got to suffer through hour-long sermons, just. Suffer well, yeah. yeah. Pray for it, your pastor to read Charles Spurgeon's uh, <laughs> lecture on uh, attention. Maybe send it to them and say, "Hey, you you love preaching so much, you should read this uh, this lecture from Charles
0: Spurgeon." Yeah, I think I think you're right. It's it's a connection thing. It's like if people connect to the heart of something, they give it more attention. I don't th- I I don't think it's enough for say Christian people to say, "Well, as long as someone is faithful to the truth." Do whatever you want, right? Uh, obviously, we want faithfulness, but there has to be a desire to engage or have people engage with us. And you can, you can, uh, you can pray for me, Jesse, because I'm, I'm uh, originally uh, I was going to do this apologetics things for graduating seniors going to college, which is my wheelhouse. And then I got word, you know, after saying yes and everything, that oh, it's going to probably be more junior high kids and middle school kids. Ah, no, that's a whole nother. Yeah, yeah, I got nothing, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to flame out, um, famously on Saturday. Saturday. famously that's good and uh yeah so we'll see if I can hold these 13 uh, year olds yeah, attention that's a whole nother that's a whole nother yeah, ballgame let me say one more level. thing
1: real quick about this Spurgeon thing I forgot about is uh in this he's a, one of the things that I, I found most convicting is he said he says the more work that you put into the sermon the shorter your sermon will be so in other words he says if you don't put any work into it you don't have much to say you'll you'll preach for an hour because you're really just trying to work it out in the moment. Yeah, yeah. you're, uh,
0: you're, you're trying to learn to cook while you're cooking. And yeah, that's right. and it just <laughs> takes
1: longer. It just takes longer. You're trying to figure things out as you go. And so so really the the, the way to craft a, a shorter sermon is to spend more time on the craft. Yeah. And so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, guys out there that are listening, that are preaching, many of you probably much better than me, probably not better than Reed. But, uh,
0: <laughs> man, I'm really I'm really being you're, kind you're, to you today. You're beating up on me, man. It's like, uh, better, better, better or worse, men, don't compare yourselves. Oh, do, man, here we go. Your, We're going. Do your at, best. Yeah, do your yeah, best. That's right. Swing hard. Hit the ball. That's right. And then go to sleep at night because God used you and not Matt Chandler or Tim Keller or whoever it is that's that right. we uh, feel like we measure up to or don't measure up to. That's right.
1: And, and, and put the work in. Be excellent. Yeah. Be it excellent. in. Sharpen yeah. your
0: sword. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, hey, uh, our main topic today uh, flows out of uh, kind of the Father's Day episode we did that I did a few weeks ago where I said dad up how we needed to encourage dads and men needed to step to the plate to teach instruct discipline love lead their children. Um, And, you know, I kept praying about that thinking about that and kept thinking about men. And revisiting some of some of some books that I've read in the past, and some new books, and some some of the buzz maybe perhaps in culture about uh, femininity, masculinity, whether these are oppressive constructs, whether these are biologically determined, whether they're built in. Certainly, uh, my view is that we're made male and female in the image of God, so these things matter. Um, so I figured, following up dad up, we ought to just go ahead and man up man a little up. bit. Yep. Now you might ask, ladies who are listening, why aren't you doing "Lady Up" or something? Well, man, I I got nothing for you on that. I listen to uh, wise, sharp, uh, brilliant ladies on uh, what it means for to be a woman, and I try to follow well and honor that. So, I, but I'm a man. Jesse's a man. We're gonna man up today. Um, when I lived in New Jersey, Jesse, there was uh, my daughter, one of the girls on her soccer team asked her to be involved with the Girl Scouts. And, you know, I'm shallow, so I think, wow, what's that going to be? Cookies. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get some Thin Mints. How's this going to work out? <laughs> what, kind of so, di- what kind of a yeah, discount yeah, do you get? Yeah, exactly. But she had a great experience interacting with her teammates and some of their friends beyond that, from people from different perspectives, religions, backgrounds, uh, et cetera. I mean, you know, Jewish, Christian, Hindu, Catholics, all these type of girls together talking about about uh girl stuff and so one day in particular uh kayla came home and was just wanting to talk to me about uh what she had heard and you know, she wasn't grinding on anything in terms of like she had a point to make she just wanted to discuss it with me and basically in a nutshell she said look this whole world is tilted against women uh women in culture are, are held down oppressed they're not given any opportunities uh that kind of thing and so it was just kind of this heavy handed you know you know guys are bad kind of thing now, when she said that, I just I just said, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. Time out. You know, we we might be able to say that there was a time where you could use those kind of categories to talk about roles in society and things like that, because it, personally, you know, I'm all for, you know, some of the uh, gains that have been made by women in our society. You know, um, certainly uh, there was a time where education, voting rights and things like that. We we've turned those corners Um but what she was saying was something more that there was kind of this kind of just holding the, holding the ladies down thing. And that night, we began to watch several uh, videos, uh, in particular a TED Talk uh, called "The Demise of Guys" by Philip Zimbardo, uh, which basically uh, categorized how women were basically outperforming men almost in every category in educational attainment today, and that the guys were real, really beginning to struggle. And so today. Um, our main topic, man up, uh, we're going to structure this way. We're going to start by saying man down, right? Man down. Um, and then we're going to say, Hey, how can we call the men up? So the state of men today or males in our culture, men are struggling. Men are struggling. I'm going to quote several uh, books that I'll put in the show notes for you guys. I don't know if you guys check out our show notes here on the Gospel Underground. We put links, we put books, we put videos. There's all kinds of things. So if you're using a podcasting app, swipe to the left or right, and you should see those notes. You can find them on gospelunderground.org with each episode as well. But the first quote comes from a lady named K.S. Uh, K. Heimowitz, and she wrote a book called Manning Up, <laughs> um, how the rise of women has turned men into boys. Now, that's a pretty shocking title, but she's, she speaks of this condition, which she's calling pre-adulthood. Other people have called it adult essence, kind of if adolescence was created, you know, when people came off the farms and things in the early 20th century, the Industrial Revolution right. things. Uh, this is a period of time after education and before responsibility, I guess she, she would describe it. She said this, among pre-adults, women are the first sex. Uh, women graduate from college today in greater numbers of men, with higher grade point averages, more ec- extracurricular experiences, including study ab- abroad, and as most professors tell it, more confidence, more drive, and more plans for the future. So you're thinking of uh, college-age people, and just afterwards, women are outperforming men almost across the board. In fact. Hannah Rosen in 2010 wrote an article that was in the Atlantic. She's since written a book as well, uh, called "The End of Men," mm. um, and she gives these statistics. Uh, women today dominate today's colleges and professional schools. For every two men who will receive a bachelor of arts degree this year, three women will do the same. Of the 15 job categories projected to grow in the most uh, in the next decade in the U.S., all but two are occupied primarily. By women, I think the two are like a janitor and computer engineer. Mm. Um, Women now earn sixty percent of the master's degree, about half of all law and medical degrees, about forty-two percent of all MBAs, and most important, uh, women earn almost sixty percent of all bachelor's degree. The minimum requirements uh, in most days for kind of good jobs and things like that. And so,
1: and she and she in the in the Atlantic. Are you going to put the Atlantic article in the show
0: notes or just okay? A link to it.
1: In that article, she makes a point that this has happened incredibly fast, and in part because uh, thinking, communication, there there been a shift in 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 things that civilizations need in order to succeed. It's no right. longer just physical strength, stamina. You know, if we want to go back thousands of years, hundreds of years right. to succeed in a culture, a culture needs
0: they needed warriors,
1: but and and, farmers, and now it's different, right? right. And so. And so there's been a shift, you know, she, she makes the point that in South, is it South Korea that, yeah, that, that, that South Korea has shifted in rapidly, rapidly I don't, I don't, from being a, a male preference society to a female preference society in, in remarkable ways.
0: Yeah. And her, her argument is that in knowledge work, in a thinking skills society, that women's natural gift sets are actually more suited right. uh, to most of the coming high paying jobs, you know, that aren't as uh, physical strength necessary. Well, I mentioned The Demise of Guys by Philip Zimbardo. This is um, a TED Talk uh, that's been viewed on on TED's website alone, uh, let alone YouTube and things like that, 2.3 million times. And his data uh, kind of came out of some uh, personal study that turned into some academic study uh, about the struggling of boys uh, in our culture. And he, he some of his data was this, boys 30% more likely to drop out of school being outperformed at every level in academics, Um, two-thirds of children in special education or remedial studies helping people uh, are boys, Um, attention deficit or hyperactivity disorder, diagnosed five times as much in boys. Hmm. Now, where his talk, and he's since turned it into a book as well, but where his talk got controversial, he asked, what are the causes? And here's what he said. He goes well. It's an unintended consequence. I think it's excessive internet use in general, excessive video gaming, excessive new access to pornography. Hmm. The problem is that these are arousal addictions. I mean, they do something to the brain. Uh, A drug addiction, you simply want more. Arousal addiction, you want different. Drugs, you want more of the same. Arousal addiction, different. So you need novelty something new all the time, something new all the time, pops a dopamine in the brain in order for the arousal to be sustained. And the problem is the industry is supplying it. Uh, Jane McGonigal told us last year, by the time a boy is 21 years old, and we have sons, right? So this stuff is, yeah. uh, this is shocking. He's played 10,000 hours of video games. Most of that in isolation from social interaction. Um, and as you remember, Cindy Gallup said, men don't know the difference between making love and doing porn. The average boy now watch 50 porn clips a week. And then Zapardo says, and so obviously there's some guy watching 100. Um, and the porn industry is the fastest growing industry in America, 15 billion annually. And for every 400 movies made in Hollywood, there are now 11,000 made pornography videos.
1: I'm reading that right now thinking that cannot be true. Shocking, isn't it? It's um I mean it it's not shocking. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah.
0: And and these kind of statistics are are, are fully borne out. This is a Ted talk. Uh, obviously his contention that boys are not doing as well because of these things is being debated. Is debatable, right. Yeah. And there right. there you can you can in the show notes there's a blog there where there's some links back and forth. I believe in Skeptic Magazine perhaps where um where they debate this. Um, but there's a there's a, um, a neurophysiology study. Um, uh, the book was called Your Brain on Porn, okay. which he links to as well. That uh, bears a lot of this out. And so Zimbardo, he, he's got a new newer book, 2016, Man Interrupted. He said this because of these new difficulties facing young men in a changing, uncertain world. Many are choosing to isolate themselves in a more rewarding place a place where they have control over outcomes, where there's no fear of rejection and they are praised for their abilities. And so he's, he's going to go into discussing why the world of gaming or why the world of pornography is preferred by many young men to actually trying to ask women out or, or be with women in person. So shocking things, but, um, men in general right uh, all were little boys in the beginning and how as um you know the whole what makes a man a man in a culture has so much to do uh not only with biology but also with the the societal societal shaping forms uh that they grow up with that they travel through from boyhood to manhood which is trained uh changed drastically uh, just in the last several decades, hmm. I mean if you look at you know the family, was where most people grew up um and were shaped and shaped by a dad, perhaps even in the past, to show what a man would be, and in a community of men would welcome a man through his you know certain years and his change of life and the change of his body right into what it meant to be a man and now a lot of that has completely just been fractured, where these forces are no longer. Uh, at play for many, many young boys. And um, many times they're just shaping one another as they go through these years, kind of like peer groups of dudes, right? Uh, engaging with one another and getting along the best they can.
1: Yeah. And oftentimes those peer groups are virtual, right? Yep. So that's can another be. thing, you know, as for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about as we were preparing for this how there are um, so- certain uh, manhood rituals that, uh, seem to be just lacking, you know, even from, from when I was growing up, which isn't that long ago, I'm not that old, (laughs) uh, to now there's just, yeah, there's just, it just seems to be that there's less of even communal rituals. There's less, um, there's less involvement from, from men outside of even just the immediate family. And then, and then certainly, uh, certainly, it seems as though there's less involvement
0: from, from fathers in general. Yeah. You know, we, we cited some statistics in that episode, Dad Up, related to the absentee uh, nature of fathers, either either through overwork and just not being engaged with children or incarceration or just simply being out, out not with the family anymore, um, and the societal repercussions both for young girls and boys when dad is not uh, engage are, are are severe and serious, and again, National Fatherhood Initiative has wonderful facts about that. And so, Dad Up, um, Dr. Leonard Sachs has a book called "Boys Adrift: The Five Factors Driving the Growing Epidemic of Unmotivated Boys and Underachieving Young Men." And so this is, uh, he's a he's a medical doctor and a Ph.D., and this is his book uh, in his attempt, this 2007 publication, um, where he is trying to um, diagnose the causes uh, for some of the uh, lack of motivation and poor achievement that we're seeing uh, in young male populations now. And he gives these five things. We won't have time today to go into them in detail, but I do recommend you pick up this book. Um, some of you guys who are more uh, granola types are going to like one of one of his uh, points um, first of all was changes at school, the way the educational system is uh, created where basically you have a sit down uh, absorb and reproduce knowledge uh, that it, that is intellectual factual thinking uh, in orientation, whereas uh, boys right uh, like to go do stuff um, right. In fact, there he cites a study of one school that was all uh, same-sex, same-sex education is is featured some in the book, where uh, the simple act of asking a boy to sit or stand or lay on the ground and do his work, giving that option to boys actually increased uh, educational attainment Mm -hmm. of those kids. And so the way in which school is shaped... Um, does not favor a boy who wants to explore and go on adventures and interact with things. In fact, he cites uh, kindergartens in Germany uh, that are uh, the loose translation of the German term is forest kindergartens, where basically it's an outdoor school where the kids run around and if they want to learn about trees, they go look at them, they smell them, they do stuff with them. Um. In fact, in in they said, well, what about weather? They're like, well, there's no problem with the weather. It's just a problem with our certain types of clothing. So they're out in the snow. They, hmm. and, and apparently they do have a little place to go with lightning rods to be, you know, to get struck by lightning. And, uh, but he he was saying that the changes in educational system do not favor the way that boys learn. I experienced this years ago when I was teaching some kids down uh, in the city uh, a, a little manhood study. And I was trying to find ways to get them to pay attention better to me. Right. And so I ended up bringing a football in and uh, just throwing the, you had to, in order to talk, you had to have the rock basically. Yeah. And so guy wants to talk. He raised his hand. I throw him a ball. He gets to catch it he can stand up and throw it back. We can toss it back and forth while we talked. Very effective in keeping their attention. but So that was number one, changes at school. Uh, Number two, uh, video games. I'm not going to get into that uh, in detail, but the the effects uh, on the brain and socialization of uh, gaming kind of world, not not simply playing games. Obviously, we're not anti. But he gets into the research on excessive gaming and what it does to the mind of young Mm -hmm. men. Um, Number three, uh, medications for ADHD. Uh, you know, basically, we we are giving children stimulants uh, medically and, and through uh, interactions with technology, uh, but how that is affecting boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, uh, endocrine disruptors, and he was talking about uh, environmental estrogens that are actually changing physiology through chemistry. And then this is where uh, my uh, granola friends will be happy because he gets into some plastics and chemical environmental kind of disruptors that are affecting the endocrine system or the hormones of... Of of males, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. So I I, I gotta look into that. I know because we're drinking out of plastic bottles <laughs> I, all the time. <laughs> we're kind of messed up. I had up. someone talking to me about
1: this, and I just thought they were crazy. So now I've i need to maybe repent
0: well there may be some research on that so uh check that out and then he, he, number five he get calls a, the, i think to get a metal one of those metal water bottles metal flasks that's probably the person who was telling you about that Why <laughs> they wanted a metal one yeah exactly even the way we have looked at you know if you're microwaving your food in plastic bowls how people say don't do that it's going to put harmful, harmful chemicals into your body if you yeah keep going Yeah, and we're going to get into a field that we're not expert on, but anyway, uh, check out Dr. Sachs's book on that, Endocrine Disruptors. And the the other one he says, The Revenge of Forsaken Gods. Hmm. Now that's a kind of a complex uh, uh, cause that he's getting at, but he's talking about um, how uh, various um, life passages that were shaped by various uh, religious traditions and communal traditions over the years, how those have been lost and how that does affect men uh, traveling, uh into manhood um because the 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 problem we see today is that there are uh kids that simply don't want to grow up um now anecdotally i know we've probably both talked to young ladies who are frustrated uh by the state of young manhood um because many of them haven't been stewarded and guided into adulthood by other men and so they they they're looking for moms and call them girlfriends. Sure.
1: sure. I, I I have I mean, there are countless twenty-five to thirty year old single women who uh it's hard to find someone who's their same age and single and their same maturity level. And so um yeah, it's frustrating.
0: I'm already hearing it from my uh almost seventeen year old. You know, yeah. When she she's like, Dad, do you think there'll be uh like a, a grown bottom man out there for me someday that, that there would be a responsible godly who, who could lead me like I, she, she desires this man. yeah and she's brilliant. She loves Jesus. She's uh she got a high game, man. Somebody has to bring a high game into her world. But what she sees is, is a lot of emotional immaturity in young men who simply uh, aren't asked to do anything other than goof off play and then underachieve. Um, and so Sachs is trying to look at this, you know, on motivation and boys and underachievement and all these factors that are going into it, um, both uh, medically as well as societally. Um, again, I, uh, to quote, uh, to quote um, Kay Heimowitz from her book Manning Up, there's another quote from there. She says this about this condition that we're seeing in our culture. She said, unlike adolescents, however, pre-adults don't know what it is that's supposed to come next right this is, gets to that guiding into what manhood even is they're not sure what the gender scripts are if there are any in other words you can't look at dad and say well what am i supposed to be when i grow up right is there a script are we just all making it up again uh that's a problem they're not even sure back to Heimowitz, they're not even sure what the word quote adult even means marriage and parenthood also come today in many forms or can be skipped altogether. You know, what she's speaking about there, not having a script, not knowing what comes next, or how long these seasons last, led authors like Alexandra Robbins and Abby Wilner, two 20-something girls, to write a book called The Quarter Life Crisis. You know, like you have a midlife crisis. Shes saying, uh, "Hey, there's uncertainty for many people today in their twenties where yeah. they, they don't have a script to follow. they don't know what comes next. Everything has been jettisoned in sort of cultural narratives, and there's nothing really left to replace them and which so, isn't
1: yeah, which isn't necessarily a male issue, but it's a contr- contributor." You know, as far as not having, you know, clear paths
0: to walk on as far as what it means to become a man. That's right. So you
1: take that into account with the other things that we're talking about.
0: That's right. Again, there is a whole nother, you know, thing to talk about. Uh, You know, what is it like to be a young woman? I mean,
1: yeah. And and even just frankly, like living in this age where you turn 23 and the question, what will I do with my life is like a legitimate, you have you potentially have an innumerable amount of options and yeah. that's, that's a modern thing, right? I mean, yeah. And with you grow up life, like a cobbler, yeah. k- k- you know, kid in the 18th century, that's just, you're just going to, you're going to cobble.
0: Yeah. Baker's son. Or yeah, something. That's right. And so, so that's, that's something that's unique to our age that yeah. contributes. Yeah. You, you have a longer lifespan, typically not yeah. always, but longer lifespans in, in, in our civilization, you have many options, And then you have a reality is that there are people that can't live with their mom till they're 40 and not really have to go do anything in order to, you know, to survive. Um, So uh, certainly this lack of a script is contributing to the crisis with men. Right now, this is this is a quote from um, uh, the book Guy Land. Uh, This is by Michael Kimmel. He's, he's got a book called Guyland, The Perilous World Where Boys Become Men he's talking about this peer culture of dudes, right Oh, guys and their buddies, right um, he says, look this world is filled with irresponsibility hooking up, partying and delaying uh, historical behaviors that were related to uh, adulthood which we would say is work right? Contribute yeah. to economic well-being of others, family uh, and leadership in, in our culture so, are we being alarmist to say man down?
1: No, I don't think so. No man, man down, man down. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, we're, we're looking at you know both the anecdotal soft data, the evidence that we see day to day, you know, in, engaging with with people both within the church and outside of the church, and then and then this is an overwhelming amount of data uh, and, and and literature and and studies that just show that yeah, character, um, y- yeah contribute
0: contribution to societal good is just down right, right. and so um i want to make the the crazy statement that we can see flourishing with uh ladies right some of the goal the good goals of feminism now i think to say that men and women are there's no difference and there's eradication of male female and the kind of gender is all socially constructed i think see these are some of the bad byproducts of gender uh discussions which by the way almost
1: no one believes in real life or practices or right right, that's what i mean as far as an actual you know working belief no i mean there's a few people out there that that's speak for a lot of people
0: that anyway and they have influence and they're teaching other people because they many times are in the educational establishment but this idea that for one group to come down you know to come up another has to go down I think is just foolish when we really want to create communities where people flourish as God created them to be. And so we're not saying that, you know, women got to go down for guys to come up. In, fact, right. in fact, if you look at educational attempts, some of the statistics I read this morning say that that girls, it's not like they're becoming these super geniuses. It's just the the guys are falling off the table yeah. in terms of educational competencies. And so what to do? Well... We got to call the man up, right? Man up. You mentioned Jordan Peterson already, um, which which I
1: I don't know enough about him to make any kind of implicit I, recommendation. I don't either.
0: I, I've watched like most people some of these uh, YouTube videos. Yeah, I was uh, telling
1: you before that I was I, I've had a condition my I've been conditioned to not like him. And it's because of YouTube video titles. Right. So scrolling through and seeing Jordan Peterson owns transgender professor. Uh, Yeah. 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 And then I watched, so I I went through months where I was like, I refuse to watch this. I just don't want to get into this. And then you watch them and it's like, no, this is pretty civil debate and discussion.
0: And some, Right, idiot. Somewhere put a, put right. a clickbait title some on, some savage it. put it on there yeah. to make it everything look like a fight. Yeah. Right, well, the phenomenon. I, I don't want to talk about Jordan Peterson, his book, 12 Rules for Life. I do have the audiobook, I've, I've listened to the first part of it, which is about lobsters or something. Um, but I want to talk about the phenomenon of Jordan Peterson. Um, for me, it tell it just it screams out. That young men are looking for models. They're looking for things to follow. They even want rules, which is shocking. I think, as a reaction to the confusion of not being guided into manhood, not knowing what manhood is. Uh, And here you have someone who's a compelling communicator, he's pretty bold, he's pretty smart. He's obviously like leading millions now of young men to try to find a way out of the morass that we're in uh, of masculinity.
1: That's right. He's offering something concrete. It's not just him, but that's but that's the right. phenomenon. You know, that's yeah, right. it, it is a pretty. It's right. significant how many men come to these. I, I think he he would say it's something like seventy to eighty percent of his audience is men, and and it is. It's some. It, it, it's something concrete. It's something that. Oh, I can build my life on this. This gives, this gives meaning where I've just been squishy and, and soft. And so, uh,
0: yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. I I tell you, we're not here to say, uh, really boo about Jordan Peterson pro or con, but to look at the phenomena, obviously there is a need, uh, in the, in our culture where guys are just crying out for some something. Right. And so, um, what do we do? Um, I obviously, in, in in the Dad Up episode, um, I, I used the word encouragement and how many times the guy who's not just wasting his life away doing X, Y, and Z, not caring about any, anybody but himself, who's trying to love a wife, trying to raise children, trying to be a good teacher to his kids— um, Many times they're exhausted, many times they're pulled and stretched. Many times they're derided by this culture. Uh they're derided by other men who aren't out doing what you know, what the other guys are doing, so to speak. And so they need encouragement. So I wanna use that same word here because I think we need to encourage the men. And I just have a few things. Uh, obviously, uh if you got yeah, if you have sons you may want to pick up Boys Adrift by Leonard Sachs because he has a chapter in there on detox where he looks at those five factors that are influencing young males and how you can counteract those. But today, we just want to give a little bit of love to the brothers out there, so to speak, of how to encourage men. Now, look, wives, right? Children, um, sisters, right? Uh, brothers. Uh, this applies, too, for you to uh, encourage the the young men uh, in your life to thank them to build them up to uh, to gossip positively about your husband or your dad those things are really good I, I love watching Jesse to be honest my my daughters yeah um they have taken to a stewardship of our youngest who's twelve he turns twelve on Friday and they care about him developing as a man mm-hmm. and to watch that has been really really beautiful so this and, it, and surely they see that model in
1: Casey and the way that she treats you and. So it really does matter what's happening with the parents and
0: that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I thank the Lord that, uh, yeah, I have a wife who respects me, encourages me, challenges me. She doesn't just defer to me. Um, no, she doesn't. It's good to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody sees it. Yeah. Uh, usually, if we're in a group setting and and people, we used to be in small groups in our in our the church we planted in New Jersey, and usually when someone new showed up and they saw uh, my wife like tell the pastor he's wrong about something in front of a bunch of folks, they're shocked, but <laughs> very comfortable for us. And I thank God for that. So, yeah. how to encourage the men? Uh, How do we wrap this up? Well, first one, I say friendship. Uh, Men need friendship uh, with other men, particularly those who want to live in a different direction than the the downstream flow of society. Um, Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need the voice of each other um, in friendship, meaning guys we can trust. Uh, who, who we can talk about our own struggles with trying not to play too many video games or look at porn or love love women in a way that honors and respects them. We need those kind of friends. That's
1: good, man. And you know, uh when we talk about friendship, I'm always reminded of uh of CS Lewis and The Four Loves talks about uh he talks about with a with what makes a real deep friendship is is, sh- is shared loves. So in other words, you don't become really close friends with someone by just focusing on that person. That yeah, that's really, yeah. you know, especially for guys, that's very uncomfortable. Yeah, um, yeah, And and so so you you almost have to find something to do together, like you to podcasting. Find, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got to find something. Yeah, you find someone and start a podcast, or yeah. no? I mean, you know, it could be a, a shared love of. Yeah, uh, tools, anything. From, yeah, buildings. Yeah, uh, it could be sports. It could be any, just about anything. Bad. He yeah. describes the the. He describes it as you standing next to someone and going, "Oh, you love this too." As you're as you're looking at something or participating in something that you love, and so. So yeah, friendship like, where you are focused on each other, right? You yeah. you have to ask good questions and be encouraging. Like
0: and, him and Tolkien, we're both into some crazy medieval yeah, literature stuff yeah, and uh, making up elves, Norse and, mythology and yeah, yeah, and, yeah. fauns and Most of you land. are probably not going to be there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Friendship. Okay, number 1 friendship. Number 2, um Men need to be held graciously accountable and that by this i don 't mean just the you know the Christian accountability group that you know talks about where you 're tempted or something that 's important i 'm not dismissive of that, but i 'm saying that men need missions in life to accomplish they need to try they need to fail uh they need to be asked about how they 're doing um, they need to have jobs that they 're given by other men um and i think this kind of thing is lost many times i'm trying to do this with my son like i'm i'm trying to help him want to learn to learn computer programming so i'm like hey man i want you to within a week produce something on this swift playgrounds thing on his iPad, uh, I want you to show me something you 've made and i'm going and i 'm going to ask him about it right and, and he 's not going to feel good about himself if he just didn 't do anything in the next week now i 'm going to say hey you're doing it so he 's not just totally blindsided um, but I want him to try to be accomplishing things, and I need to give him small tasks to do that because ultimately um, i i we want men you, know, we, you and I are believers we 're Christians right we want them to do something of value in this world. Uh, to love God and love other people right yeah. do, do something yeah. useful with their hands so they have something to share so gracious accountability i think we need that i think just floating along is not cool you sh- yeah my kids aren't my my son is not living in my basement until he's 45 um unless he has a purpose for that but you know some, sometimes we empower this um irresponsibility uh amongst men so friendship gracious accountability um coaching um Man, I can't tell you, Jesse, how much my sports coaches um, changed my life. Yeah. Um, Absolutely changed my life. Um, Why do people want to go to Jordan Peterson things? Um, Even like there's this, what is this guy's name years ago? Tom Lykus, this evil, wicked talk show guy who was telling guys how to exploit women and do bad things. They would call this guy dad on the radio. Um. Why? Well, he 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 didn't need to be their dad. They didn't need to listen to this guy at all. But I do believe that the reason why coaches or you, know, teachers or uncles or whoever it might be guys are looking for someone who's walking in this world in such a way that they could say, you know what, I I want to learn from that. And older guys, we need to be available to that. We need to put ourselves in context. We'll, we'll be around uh, young men, so. Uh, not only can they see things, but you can actually have, you know, a presence where you can actually tell them some stuff, um, yeah. as we, as we go forward. It's hard though. We get busy with what we're doing. Um, and we have to make stay, space for each other to be good role models.
1: And part of that coaching is really fine. Trying to figure out with that, with the guy you're coaching or the men that you're coaching, um, do they need do they? What kind of motivation do they need? That's right. right? You you mentioned right. earlier. There's there's a way in which you you can say man up, and someone gets discouraged. Discouraged, yeah. right? And so so not everyone needs you yelling at them about how they need. Yeah, how dare you? That's right. Uh, That's uh, right. So you kind of have to discern you know, what what kind of coaching does this man need. That's right. Which which by the way I think changes. Not just man to man, but season to season. That's right. You know, there are times where I need someone to say, hey, you just need to keep
0: going, man. You're doing a good job. Yeah. And there are other times where I need someone to come in and just kick my butt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing worse, right, when, when life is kicking the crap out of us. Circumstances, hard you know, work stuff, relationships. There's nothing worse than when you're already down, somebody kicks you. Yeah. Um, yep. and that's certainly, I, I've always been counseled this way from, I, I used to grab dad. So I said, Hey, your kid's kind of like you. Why don't you tell me how to be a dad, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and, uh, same thing for pastoring, guiding people is that there's a strong hand needed. And then there's a kind hand of a shepherd needed. And the thing that's needed above all things is wisdom to know which is required. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing like punching a guy in the arm who needs a hug. There's nothing like hugging a guy when he needs to be punched in the arm and told to get back at it. You yeah. Know? Um, make space. Um, make space for the up-and-coming to be responsible for their lives and for the lives of others. This this is uh, something we see in the life of Jesus, right? Yeah. Um, he he grabbed some guys who who you could say they they were a, a a bucket of idiots not knowing which way was up or down right there's pretty good evidence in the biblical yeah. narratives that there was some rashness some young maleness uh with some of the disciples Jesus um, may have said that. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't make it to the to yeah, the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, you were like, oh, let's have that fireside chat that didn't make it into the gospel. <laughs> oh my goodness. So so yeah, but he made space, right? Yeah, For other men to be responsible for their own lives, the lives of the group and for others. And I think this is a training ground that uh that when you have communities like the church, uh, like sports teams, um, like other things that guys do together, that that can be a positive shaping things where guys take responsibility for certain parts of the whole. Um, now, obviously, there's there's negatives associated with a bunch of guys together. And nobody's taking responsibility for anything but chaos. And that's where we see we sometimes see that right uh, in our world where guys are ganging up and, and bullying other dudes at school and the football team in the high school acting like a bunch of idiots to nobody's good. Um not saying I've seen that, but maybe I saw that as a kid myself. So friendship, accountability, graciousness, coaching, making space for others. And then, man, we got to come back to it. Dad up. We need dads, man. Yeah. We need dads. We need we need to be dads who and we need to call other men who have children to be fathers. Um, teach and guide the next generation, and be some of those folks that, hey man, you're you're hitting uh, puberty. How how do we walk with them yeah. in these transitions into adulthood, and how do we involve other men in that in their lives, speaking into them, calling them up into it, believing in them, being there when they fail, will they need to fail often, so that uh, they might become men. That's surely. good.
1: Yeah. You know, even underneath both that up, and you could you could probably put this underneath coaching um, I mentioned this earlier, but, uh, thinking about transitional rituals, you know, like I remember shaving for the first time with my, my dad, uh, you know, ha- having these kind of things because, because really part of it is, is men get stuck or, or young men get stuck and they don't make the transition. Yeah. And, 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 uh, I'm not a ritualistic person in the sense of, uh, you know, you, you must do this particular this is, thing this is the christian yeah kind of thing yeah but but um we are ritualistic period yeah, like we have creatures. our rituals as yeah. creatures right and so so and as social creatures we have social rituals that that indicate transitions and so I, I i one of the things i'm thinking through with my own boys is what are those transitions what kind of family rituals or routines or yeah. habits however you want to put that yeah and, and even special markers uh, of transitions can we have? And so that's one of the things that I'm going to be thinking about leaving this podcast.
0: Hey man, I want to close with a few more quotes because yeah. we've done a lot of quotes from some really good resources on this. But uh, the first one is just to um, young men, if you're listening out there uh, or older men, any male, any males, um, our lack of engagement with ourselves and our brothers to become uh, men actually frustrates ladies Um and then, then finally, I want to give the last word to a quote which quotes, uh, Uh, Quote someone very, very, very uh, authoritative in our lives. So this is a quote from Kay Heimowitz at the beginning of her uh, book, Manning Up. She says, Not long ago, average mid-20-somethings, both male and female, had achieved most of the milestones of adulthood. A high school diploma, financial independence, marriage, and children. These days, though, they hang out in a novel, new sort of limbo. A hybrid state of semi-hormonal adolescence and responsible self-reliance. This limbo that's what she calls pre-adulthood, has much to commend for it, especially for the college-educated men that she was writing about in this book. But it seems it's about time to state something that's become obvious to legions of frustrated young women. It doesn't tend to bring out the best in men. Now, towards the end of her book, she says this, men have lost the clarity of the previous scripts for growing up. But that does not mean that the only alternative now is to hang out in the playground of drinking, hooking up, playing Halo three and underachieving. They can still choose to keep their eyes on the things that will lead to a meaningful life. And Dr. Uh, Leonard Sachs fills that in for us. This definition. Now listen to this men, this definition giving all you have in the service of others is an integral part of the Judeo-Christian tradition that has animated Western history for the past two millennia. It is not an original idea. And then he quotes someone that we're happy to quote here on the underground. Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. John 15, 13, Jesus of Nazareth. Men, give your life away. Give your life away. The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House. Send your comments, feedback, and or questions that you might like us to take up here on the on the uh, not-famous Gospel Underground <laughs> to info at gospelunderground.org. Review us on iTunes. We might get famous. Five stars are acceptable. We are a dialogue taking place on the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you out there. Peace. Peace. Peace.